Grant Tyler podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Grant. Here we are. Here we are with with a new mic this week. So so hopefully he doesn't sound as busted up and weird <laughs> as he usually does. <laughs> I, I don't know if the mic can help that. That's true. You Some are kinda... things you're just born with. <laughs> uh, you're just got that manly, strong voice. <laughs> and now everyone's going to hear it so much clearer. Yeah, it's that it's that morning struggle, you know. Yeah, I get it. So today we get to talk through temple, which, like I said last time, sounds like a weird theme. <laughs> but um, the whole point of this is that God wants to dwell with you and in you. Yeah, we're not talking about the temple of your head. Not the temple of your head, not. Even, well, kind of the Jewish temple, but not really, or not even tabernacle or not even the church building. Exactly. None of those things, but all of those things. No, none of those. Exactly. (laughs) Anyways. So as we go through uh, and look at this, like I want to start at the beginning. So God created the world, right? That happened. That happened. God created the world. And in Genesis, it tells us that God walked with his people. He walked with Adam and Eve. And um, he and when sin entered the world, he, you know, he went to find them and they went to hide. They they hid from him. And so it's like there is a separation of relationship that happened. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that. The separation, well, like our sin, like draws us away from God. A lot of the, if not all of the separation is caused by us. Not God. Yeah. And and how, you know, we talk about the separation a lot, but most of the time the separation is, is us running away from God, running away from his presence and him pursuing us, um, almost like uh, the story of the, the, you know, prodigal son or different things or him running after the lost sheep. God is always running and pursuing us, but our sin usually has us running away from his presence and going away further from him. Yes. Yes. So that's a good point to, to notice like the sin that separated us from God is not, is not God's fault. Yeah. (laughs) That is not on God. That is on us. Yeah. Um, and we do it in our own lives now where we choose sin over choosing God. We talked about that in one of our early episodes and, um, that's just what Adam and Eve did and what people continue to do, uh, choose choosing sin and what they want over choosing what God wants for us. Um, but anyways, as sin entered the world and as, um, God couldn't dwell among the people. Well, there had to be a way. Well, I guess God wanted there to be a way pursuing us um, for him to dwell with his people and to know his people. Um, And so he, they started doing sacrifices, right? And so uh, cattle, grain, all these different sacrifices to, to be right. It's the verse on the pigeons. I got, do you have it? Uh, I can pull it up. Uh, Leviticus 1, 14. If his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. It's if they couldn't afford like certain, like, yeah, you could do like some doves and stuff. Couldn't, couldn't afford a full cattle. That's what, that's when Jesus, you know, like he starts flipping tables because the, the people couldn't afford their own, like, I guess, expensive sacrifice. Yeah. And then uh, when they would bring like their own like dove, pigeon, whatever bird, then they would say, oh, that one's not good enough to sacrifice. And then the church would sell them. Oh, yeah. Their own. And Crazy. They were making. And then Jesus was like, how dare you like turn my father's house into like a den of robbers. Yeah. Yeah. Because like not only were they like stealing but they were also stealing from poor people (laughs) yeah well and also i mean it's like 
stealing from poor people is pretty awful. But then to say the sacrifice wasn't good enough on God's behalf. Yeah. It's like, that's pretty messed up. Grant, how often do you bring pigeons before the Lord? Uh, not, not often. I don't really like birds. They kind of seem to disease. You can't get diseases from a bird. (laughs) (laughs) They poop on my car a lot. We just, we don't have a healthy relationship with each other. Yeah. I can see that. But you know, I, it would be cool to be like a falconer. Yeah. But you know, back, back to the, back to the topic at hand. What about an eagler? Just kidding. That's not a thing. <laughs> Is it? Not a thing. Not a thing. I guess they always just call it falcony, but even with eagles? Yeah. Dude, eagles have amazing talons. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Woof. All right. So uh God made a way, restoring with sacrifices. And so people getting back on that, getting back on track. So after you know, becoming after the sacrifices with God, you know, like becoming right with God, God still like wanted to be with his people. And so after coming out of um, Egypt and Moses getting the Ten Commandments, uh, God was with his people, obviously. But um, then he had them make the Ark of the Covenant, which tell us a little bit about Ark, the Ark. Yeah, not to be confused with Noah's Ark. Ho oh. <laughs> uh, But yeah, it was basically this like wooden, um, like box. It almost it was almost like like a coffin. I, but that's kind of a bad way to describe it. Cause yeah, it's it's full of life, not death, <laughs> unless you touch it wrong. <laughs> yep, which. That's a different story. That's a different story. Uh, that you can find out like what it looks like and is made of in Deuteronomy ten. Yeah, um, but they put like things like the Ten Commandments and and some stuff like that um, in there. But it's it's basically God's you know covenant with the people, and He's telling them that He's going to be with them, um, and the Ark goes along with them, and it's almost supposed to signal. God being among his people. And so, yeah, just this, this idea, like Tyler's been talking about of God wanting to walk and talk among his people once again, and he wants to dwell among the, among them. And we've been, yeah, we'll be keep reinforcing that idea. And so we're we're talking about the law next week more in, in the podcast, but just briefly, like, I think it's, important to just acknowledge that a lot of people sometimes can look at the old testament or look at a lot of these things and say wow there's all these rules there's all these things um but these things were important because god we talked about the sin that entered and god god's holiness that exists and when our unholiness comes into the presence of god's holiness mm-hmm. it you know, the, in the most basic of terms, gets burned away. Right. And so God's like, if you come in my presence with your unholiness, like your unholiness can't survive next to me. And so I still want to be with you. I still want to be in relationship with you. I still want to walk and talk among you. Um, but you're going to have to do some things to make that happen. But I still want to be in relationship with you. And the fact that he doesn't just wipe this all away and restart or just say, you know what, I'm done with all of this is the fact that like God wants to be in relationship with us. And so that law that he gives is good. And it's actually a, a loving way of coming alongside us and saying, here are some ways we can still be together. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that when we when in that time they broke those laws or you know, the, those sacrifices were to become right with God. Mm-hmm. And so they could be in God's presence again. Yeah. Um, and so you think about, I mean, that is very impactful. And, and we have to know that for today, because as we get further, like, it's like mind blowing what God does to to 
dwell with us. Yeah. But, um, and just a side note on that, that's why there is just a big focus and and I've heard different things, bigger pastors and, and, and things within churches coming out and saying things like the old Testament is not super relevant or different things. And, and it's, you can't understand fully who Jesus is and the impact that he makes without understanding the law and God, like wanting to be in relationship with us. And so that's why we're covering some of these things. And that's why it'll be important to talk about next week. And Jesus did fulfill the law, but that doesn't make the law not good or some failed experiment or not relevant. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, like we talked about last week, the context is Mm -hmm. so important for sure. And having biblical literacy, not only of the new Testament of, but of the old Testament. Yeah. And knowing these things is super valuable and important, but basically going back to what you were saying about, um, God's holiness. Mm -hmm. It's like God's holiness next to our unholiness is like, crazy yeah (laughs) it's because how just god is and how sinful and unjust we can be without god so what this does is creates separation between us and god and um there are a lot of things that separate us from god because we are his creation and and choose to go against what god has so like what are some of those things that separate us from god yeah, I think if you're kind of new to this concept, um, I just want to clarify that unclean does not um, inherently mean sinful. And so um, there will be some times where God describes certain things that make uh, a person unclean and unable to be in his presence. And a lot of those things are caused as a result of the sin that enters in the world. But they themselves aren't always sinful. And so um, some of those things, a lot a lot of them have to do with death. And so um, when someone dies or there's, yeah, any touching of dead bodies or a burial. Yeah, don't touch dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, God tells his people um, to be in his presence. Um, you, yeah, you can't be can't have just touched a dead body or all the corn, all our corner listeners are just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, touching a dead body, is something that makes um, you unclean, like touching certain, certain sick people, lepers. Yeah. A lot of not uh, leopards, <laughs> lepers, uh, a lot of like unclean animals out there and, and different things. Um, let's see. Basically, you're disgusting. <laughs> B- bodily bodily fluids of, of all kinds. Guys, like, yeah, I don't want to step around your poop at camp. <laughs> um, yeah, just a, th- just different things that um, would make a person your bo. <laughs> don't know about that one. Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> they didn't have deodorant back then. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of these things. Um, were to separate the Israelites from other people. Um, but a lot of these things were, were practical things that um, were good for that time period. Um, pigs were an unclean animal. Um, and through a majority of history, um, pig meat has been something that's uh, pretty, pretty filled with disease and a lot of different things like that. And so um, certain restrictions that God gave his people actually um, were helpful. Um, I've actually heard someone claim before that almost all, if not all of God's laws actually helped the Israelite people stay away from diseases or, or had a reason for which, um, like God commanded them to stay away from. So, yeah, it's not because God's like, stay away from bacon Mm -hmm. is because it's like, Hey, don't get sick. Don't die. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> so and briefly we'll touch um if you're like, well, Christians eat bacon and, and different things today, and I've never even heard of this unclean. Well, there's a section X that, that covers that and we can talk about that another time. But yeah, basically 
Peter gets a vision and Paul really, but yeah, they get a vision that it's like what don't make what God has made clean, unclean. And yeah. it's all because and a lot of that has to do with the, the sacrifice of Jesus, which is where we're getting. Um, yeah. So um, all of those things make us unclean and separate us from God and his holiness. I mean, one example with the Ark of the Covenant that we were talking about is in First Chronicles 13, people touch the Ark wrong and they just die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just die. And so it's like their uncleanness and um, their pre- like their presence of doing that is like, just could not handle the presence of God. It's like, we cannot fully handle the presence of God. So when it's like something that I was talking about with my wife is like you, when people die, um, there's two reasons they wouldn't go to heaven. Right. And so it's like one, I mean, I don't know. It's not cut in line. This is just how the context of our conversation, I guess is mm-hmm. like um, one. It's like, if they completely choose to not follow God with their heart and two, like they won't like, they're just because of God's justness, they can't be in God's presence. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's sometimes it's God's judgment on them. And sometimes it's just like his presence on Like they, he can't like he, if you can't accept the sacrifice Jesus makes, it's like, it's just like you can't be in his presence. <laughs> yeah. And it's a it's a hard thing, I think, for our culture a lot to come to terms with. Um, but God is everything that is good and holy and right and just. And so when you separate yourself from from him, and then when it gets to a point of when you die and you won't accept that sacrifice i don't know what that was i don't either. there was something in the room that sounded like a cat and tyler does not own a cat so that was weird i thought it sounded like a squeaky toy <laughs> anyways um yeah 100 percent. and I, it is hard for our culture to understand it and get it today because like they would say that that's unjust mm-hmm. or unfair and i think the it sounds unfair mm-hmm. but if if you created the universe and you were perfect and it's like your presence couldn't stand and you made a way and you pursued and you put all the opportunities in front of people constantly and constantly made a way, constantly made yourself known and revealed who, you know, a way to be in relationship. The fairness is gone. It's more about justice, justice and So it's like the presence of God is just too much for um, a sinful, unclean being to be in front of. Yeah, and I think there are some aspects where it's we're just not going to fully understand God's mind and and who he is and the the wonders of his creation. Right. Um, But there is an aspect of, if if we saw a guy and he was pursuing a girl and she said, no, I want nothing to do with you. He was like, please be in relationship with me, please. Yeah. And like pursued her and kept pursuing her. And she just said, no, like, please stop. And like hit this hard line of just, I will never be with you. Um, then at some point, like that would be bad on the guy to like we know that is would be wrong to, for that guy to force that girl to be in relationship with him yeah and it, and it's no different with god of, of he says if you don't want me if you won't accept what i've done for you and the sacrifice that i made so that we can be in relationship again i'm not going to force you to be in relationship with me um but that also means if you separate yourself from god you're separating yourself from everything that is good from everything that is holy. And so when there's talk of hell, it's, it's a space in which like there is no goodness. There is no holiness. You're completely separated from God. And which means you're completely separated from love. You're completely separated from all goodness. 
And it sounds like a horrible place because it is. It is a terrible place. And it's like people make those choices. Yeah. Whether <clears throat> whether they realize that or not. And I think I think if people are honest with themselves, they they see how they choose poorly, how they choose wrong over right. Even when you like, they can clearly see or know like this is right. So there's gray areas. So I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But like any person can, can, I think at some point be like, this is wrong and that is right. And when they choose wrong and they continually choose wrong, they get deeper and deeper entrenched and they may not know what right looks like. And they might create a version of hell here on earth. Yeah. And in their own life. And so it's like, it's, it's just kind of wild. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's something we, we don't, yeah, it's not a comfortable thing to talk about often, but an important thing for me to always remember is like, God is not going to force people to be in relationship with him. He's not going to make you like do that. And so you have to accept the sacrifice and the, the ways in which he gave you an opportunity to still be in relationship with him, to still experience goodness, but he's not going to force that on you. And you, you are able to choose hell. And so that's why um, all of this is, is so important is because there is a decision to make and it's an eternal one. Yeah. And there's a lot at stake. And so the question of who Jesus is, is important. And so we have, God gives us all of these ways in which to be, still in relationship with him and different things. But the Israelites are not good at following these laws. They're not good at at keeping up with these things. Um, And they're doing so such a bad job at it that um, God's struggling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not necessarily him, but the people are struggling to be in the presence of God. Yeah. And, um, and so God eventually comes down in the form of man mm-hmm. and says, let me show you how it's done. So then after the Ark of the Covenant was in the special tent, um, King David had built this big palace for himself and looks over and sees what, Grant? Uh, he sees God's tent and uh, the tabernacle and instructions that he gave to Moses as to what his dwelling place looks like. So King David sees the contrast between this huge uh, like palace that he built for himself. And then he looks over and sees God and he's like, that's, that's not right. And so in second Samuel chapter seven, he gets this thought um, that he goes to Nathan, the prophet with, and he says, it's not right for me to be living in this palace while God dwells in this tent. And so I want to build him an even better place, a a temple in which like we can, he can be even more glorified. And Nathan's like, wow, that's a great idea. Let's do it (laughs) or go and do it. And, uh, but then that night, Nathan gets uh, a vision from God, um, that tells him like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like these were the instructions that I gave to Moses for what my temple should look like and the tabernacle and, and things that exist. Like I, I've had judges and, and different people raised up throughout Israel and never once did I command them, Hey, you guys should build a temple for me. I need that. Right. God says, I, I don't need a temple. I'm fine where I'm at. Um, but one day, one of your descendants is going to build a temple up and I'm going to establish his kingdom forever. And so, so what, what David might've thought is like, okay, my son's going to do this yeah, or yeah, whatever. But what, and actually happened, tell us. So yeah, there's some different things I've heard. Um, this, this comes from a pastor mentor of mine. Um, that this was, yeah. Some past mentor, some pastor mentor, some some pastor Shockney. He, uh, he mentioned that in this case, David should have looked over 
saw the tent, saw his own palace, and said, I should tear down my palace because it wasn't right. The response shouldn't be, I need to build God a temple. It should be, I need to tear down my own palace. I thought that was a really good thought. Um, But David interprets this um, from God as, oh, this is going to be my son. God tells him he has too much blood on his hands to build this temple. And so David said, well, must, must be my son then. Yeah. And so he starts, David himself never builds the temple, but he starts getting a lot of the work done. He issues taxes and different things. He cuts down a ton of wood um, to use for the temple. He starts drawing up blueprints on what it should look like. And then as he's yeah. about to die, he gives all of this to his son, Solomon. He says, build the temple. Um, and it's not necessarily what, what God <laughs> told him to do. Um, but there, yeah, there are instructions for it. And so the temple is built and God says, whatever, just kidding. No, he doesn't say that. Um, but he does, he does dwell within the temple. And so there's this change from like a tabernacle tent style where God kind of moves with his people um, to now being in the temple in this place. And the Jewish people really love this temple. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they love it. They love it so much. I don't even marry it. That's what they kind of do. They kind of do. They kind of do marry the temple. Um, But they, yeah, they start almost valuing the temple over God himself. And so as Israel tends to do. As they did with the law too. I mean, they added to God's law. Yeah. (laughs) And as they tend to do, they start not following uh, what God has instructed of them. Um, They start worshiping idols. They marry people from other nations that influence them and they bring in their own idol worship and their own ways that God has told them not to do. Um, They're becoming unclean. They're becoming unfit to be within God's presence. They're bringing a lot of their sin and uncleanness into the temple. And so God says he's warning them time and time again through the prophets and and other people that, Hey, your, your sin is becoming great. Yeah. And like I'm, I'm about to hand you over to the other nations. I'm not going to, I'm no longer going to protect you if you keep going down this path. And Israel says, yeah, whatever. You always are for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something that kind of, kind of came to my mind as you were talking is just like, um, I think what, what they, what happened ultimately is that out of sight, out of mind mm-hmm. where this, the God, wasn't among them like the the pre, like the reminder of God's presence wasn't among them it was a place yeah and so that that can kind of happen to us today too where if if you forget that God is with you you can make the place that you worship God only on Sunday the church yeah but as we move forward in the story and Jesus comes and lives this perfect life as a man and dies for our sins, like as a sacrifice that as the perfect sacrifice. So like the once and for all sacrifice, um, it's like we all have the opportunity to follow and to, to accept the sacrifice and live our lives for God. Right. And so, um, did you want to have more to say on the other stuff? Uh, just briefly, a lot of that sin that happens. So God hands them over to their sin, hands them over to the other nations to, to come in people, nations like King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon come in and just wreck Israel. Um, the temple gets destroyed and ransacked and um, things get taken from it. Other empires rise up like Persia and, and different things. Um, but God's people are like, Oh no. We can't worship God anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it, like who God is was dependent on this temple that he didn't necessarily I even ask them to build. 
Um, and so they're just so focused on this temple. And even when they come back from Babylon, they're like, one of the first things they do is say, well, we got to build the temple back up. Yeah. Um, and so when Jesus comes, a lot of his speech and what he says is like, I'm here to dwell among you. And he keeps using a lot of that word and, and those lang- that language. Yeah. And like um, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm. And so um, he uses a lot of this language and it's kind of a weird thing to say. Um, but in some ways, Jesus is saying, like, I am the tabernacle, like the tabernacle is me. I am I'm among temple. you. And Jesus is saying, I'm the temple. Because God's dwelling within a man. And so when you think of God in the Old Testament, as far as dwelling within the tabernacle or even the temple, now his presence is in flesh. Yeah, His presence is dwelling among us in a person of Jesus. And so Jesus is the new temple, (laughs) which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, as he was uh, in front of the Sanhedrin, like when he was arrested and like on trial, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things he says and, and Matthew 26 is um, I am, I'm able to, or I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. And they're like, what (laughs) they were more persistent on like what's going on with you who are you (laughs) yeah and jesus is like rebuilt like you destroy it i'll rebuild it in three days Mm -hmm. and it's like jewish hearers of the day they knew that that took a long time to build the temple solomon at the height of israel one of the heights and when they had some of their most wealth and peace still took him a long time to complete the temple and its construction. And so it was like, first of all, you don't have the resources or anything that King Solomon did. We're under occupation of Rome. There's no way that you as one person can build a temple in three days. Jesus was a carpenter. And so they were, they, as, as usual, they're like, what is this guy talking about? Mm-hmm. There is, I don't care how good of a carpenter is. He can't build that in three days. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, but what we find out is Jesus wasn't talking about the actual temple. He was talking about his body and who he was and what happens is, and his spirit Mm -hmm. and what happens is. So obviously we know if you know the story at all, he is crucified And then Saturday really sucked. And then Sunday he raises from the dead. And that is what he's talking about. Like I came like God restored his life. He came back. He defeated death on our behalf. And um, what happens is he promises his spirit Mm -hmm. to us. And so uh, at at Pentecost um, he comes and, and well, So he ascends into heaven Mm -hmm. and then at Pentecost, his spirit comes out, which his disciples are like, Jesus, you just came back from the dead. Please don't leave us. Um, But Jesus being the the temple, his body is destroyed. And just like he says, in three days, he raises from the dead, building back up the temple. But then he says, it is better that I go. So that the advocate or the Holy Spirit can be with you and dwell within you. And there's that word again of dwell. Yeah. God dwelling among his people. Um, and so now this this brings into question. OK, here was the tabernacle. Then the temple came and then Jesus came. God within Jesus. And now there's this new aspect of God says, now I'm going to dwell within you Yep. and I'm going to be with you at all times. And this is the best. This is the best <laughs> way it could be. So in first Corinthians three, 16 through 22, I'm going to read this. I'm going to talk about it. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that the God 
and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the word world of life or death in this present age, all are yours. Yeah. And so it's, it's a beautiful picture of now God being in us and among us. Um, His presence goes with us. And so you might be asking yourself, all of this is cool and good content um, because Tyler and Grant are awesome. Just kidding. That's probably what you're thinking. <laughs> um, but how is this applicable to me in my own walk? Um, and, and I think it's important to know the history of what's going on to understand where we're at. But it's also important to, to understand that we still make a lot of the, the same mistakes that the Israelites made at this time. And so Tyler brought it up earlier of the temple is not a building. The temple is you. Yeah. And so um, this doesn't devalue meeting together as a church, like as Hebrews would would tell us, like, do not neglect to meet with one another. But also in First Corinthians, he talks about the unity of the body. Yeah. And so how it's like we are the temple, but the temple also lives in community. Like yeah. God lives in community. We need community. Mm-hmm. The building up of up each other is in community and it's like iron sharpens iron the proverb yeah it's like we need each other to sharpen each other and to um to continue to be the best temple we can be or the best you know host of god dwelling with god and have the best relationship with god mm-hmm. as we can have and so that means um i i used to when I was younger, like, you know, like you go into church, like you don't say things that you would outside of church or you don't do certain things that you would do outside of church. Um, That never made sense to me. Yeah. And it's like church in itself is just like the building is just a building, but the church is God's people and the temple is you. You are the church. And so um, are you watching over your actions as if you're in church all the time, as in like you're in God's presence all of the time. And so however you're speaking, however you're treating people, whatever actions you're taking, like you are the temple and and God is dwelling within you. And so like Paul, you know, we'll we'll go on and tell, talk about like, would, would you go and, and do these like sexually immoral things? Like, would you unite the body of a prostitute with Jesus? Nope. Like you wouldn't do that. And so he's like, but your body is a temple. And so when you do these things, like you're, you're desecrating the temple of God, your body is not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore honor God with your bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Making sure that we realize that this great high calling that we have and, and, um, to, of being God's presence, essentially, (laughs) you know, among people. Um, he also says in Romans, you, however, and are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And so it's like making sure that we realize that we are in this, like we are in the realm of the flesh. And there are so many opportunities to become unclean, to follow, to not follow God. But what we must do is to honor God with our bodies, honor God with our choices, honor God with uh, how we live and um, also continue to be in relationship with him because like he is uh, like 
he's the reason we have this opportunity and like to be in community with him and have a good relationship with him. Now where the spirit of the Lord is and where the spirit now the spirit, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So like you might be thinking to yourself, all of this sounds great and everything, but it's constructing like it's, it's constrictive. Uh, but there is freedom in con- con- like constriction. There's freedom in sacrifice. There's freedom in um, like things, you know, limiting things because like the more you limit certain things, let's say alcohol, for example, the more you limit alcohol, the better your body will probably feel mm-hmm. the more you uh, limit, let's say food for like your diet. It's like if you overeat and you become fatty, fatty McFat fat, <laughs> like me, <laughs> the, um, like there, there's going to be more freedom in the sacrifice of, of eating a healthy, like eating your vegetables and, and everything. There's going to be more freedom in that. And there's going to be more freedom, um, playing basketball the more you practice Mm -hmm. like the more you sacrifice your time to play the better you're going to be same with violin or whatever um so the more we allow god to transform our lives the more freedom there is and the more we're able to live the full life that God has called us to. And there's just more freedom in the aspect of, you know, like people used to go to the temple to be in God's presence. They would perform these, these things to, to make themselves clean and to take off their uncleanliness. They would go before the priests and the Levites um, and they would offer sacrifices and different things to, to be right with God. And and God now makes it easy and accessible. He says, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to be with you in your presence. Um, and so there's freedom now in that God just goes with us. We don't have to go to a building to experience God. We don't have to like have someone um, speak on our behalf or like we don't have to have a, a physical sacrifice to give. But a lot of the things still apply like there is a call for us to be reconciled with god there is god tells us to confess our sins um like paul tells us yeah confess your sins to one another and in this way like you fulfill the law of christ yeah um so there is a repentance there is uh we still you know ask for forgiveness we still seek repentance from god turning from our ways we look to be reconciled with him. Sanctification. Yeah. And through that, yeah, every day the Holy Spirit works within us to change us um, and to become new. And that is the word that Tyler just described, sanctification, that the Spirit sanctifies us um, and makes us more holy um, as we become right with God and, and continue to ask for forgiveness and be reconciled with him. All of this. I mean, it sounds so important. We said a whole lot of words. Yeah. Just to say, God created a way to have a relationship with you and dwell in you and among you. And that's amazing. Yeah. And he did it through sacrificing his own life, giving himself away to you. And dying on the cross, experiencing one of the most excruciating ways to die in history and and taking on that pain so that we could be in relationship with him. And so the call now is he's asking us to be reconciled with him, to be in relationship with him. And like we said earlier, God's not going to force you to be in relationship with him. Yeah, your but choice. there is that call. There is that choice. And um. We don't we don't know how many hours we have on this earth. We don't know if, you know, today something could happen and you could die or 
um, Jesus could call everyone to account um, for when he comes back for his second coming, whatever the case is, we just don't know how much time we have left. And so this question of who Jesus is um, and what he means to you and your relationship with God um, is of the utmost importance. And so the, the question you have is, am I right with God? Have I asked for forgiveness? And, and do I want to be in relationship with him? Um, because eternity is at stake. Absolutely. I think that, I mean, as you wrestle with this and as you think through all of these things, like, and as we move forward with the podcast, like this is foundational. Yeah. Like knowing how much God wants to be with you Mm -hmm. and how much God is for you and, and wants you like wants to see you succeed yeah, and wants to see you in his presence. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's foundational to how you can view the world, how you can view yourself. Like if you have a negative view of yourself and you know that you are loved and valued so much that much that God literally sent his son to die for you. And like you have this way and now your body is literally the temple of God. Mm-hmm. Like, how much more should you uh, honor your body? How much more should you like pursue healthy lifestyle, healthy choices? How much more should you like honor God and, and, you know, take time to spend with God and build this amazing relationship that he already pursued? Yeah. And we don't, yeah, we don't follow God's commands or do what he's asked us to do um, so that we get a reward or so that we avoid punishment or or different things. But I I think there's some people that do and that's dangerous. Yeah. And the the aspect of like, if we look at a healthy marriage, a husband doesn't serve his wife or do things for her or spend time with her because you know, he's hoping for a reward, not in a healthy marriage. People do do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, do, do. <laughs> um, but, or he doesn't do it because he's afraid that his wife will punish him in some way or, or leave him, <laughs> you know, and, and those fears exist within marriage and different things. But the ultimately a healthy marriage, a husband does those things. He serves his wife. He spends time with her because he simply delights. He loves her and being with her. He simply delights in her presence. He simply like wants to be with her, wants to serve her, wants to love her. Um, And the same applies for our relationship with God is if we want to be in relationship with God, Jesus tells us like, if, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. And so, yeah, we, we do those things, not because we're afraid of punishment or we want some reward, but we simply do them because we want to be in relationship with God and we want to love him the best that we can. And so we're going to mess up and there aren't going to always be times in which you wake up every morning, just like a marriage where you just want to spend time with God. And it's the deepest desire in your heart. Right. Uh, you know, we all wake up in days and, and there's struggles and it's hard to be, but that should be the exception, not the norm. And so we should seek, like we should want, to delight in spending time with God. Like we should look forward to being in his word. We should look forward to getting to talk to God and share our life with him. We should look forward to getting to serve him in any way that we can, because we simply like are just in love with God and his presence. I, you know, and if you don't feel that way, I mean, don't be alarmed. Yeah. Like that is something that happens over time as you fall more in love with Jesus. Yeah. Something that um, my wife and I were talking about. Um, She has a Bible study on Wednesday nights. And one of the points this week is like, God cares way more about being with you and loving you than anything you could do for him. Mm hmm. And, you know, the passage they used was the when when God came to Moses in the wilderness. 
Uh, yeah. And uh, it's like, I want you to free my people. And she thought that was a bad example because it's like um, he's literally asking something <laughs> of him. And I said, well, you know, on face value, just that verse. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's not really the best. But like, if you think about Moses's story and how, you know, he grew up in Pharaoh's kingdom yeah. and then he found out these are my people mm-hmm. and he had this deep conviction of like getting his people out of slavery. Mm-hmm. And so you look at it more in a full context. God wanted that for Moses. It's like also for God because mm-hmm. it's his people, but it's like God wanted that for Moses. He already had this deep conviction mm-hmm. that I want to save these people. I mean, he murdered somebody. <laughs> he murdered somebody because he, yeah, he was beating one of the Israelites and he killed that guy and fled. Yeah. But God wanted that for him, not just from him. Yeah. And so it's like just that sw- simple switch in your mind of like, God wants stuff for you. Not, it might take something from you, mm-hmm. like a sacrifice or whatever, but ultimately it's for you. Yeah. That was kind of my two cents on that. Yeah. And as we put ourselves in scripture, just like as you, Tyler and I have known each other for a long time. I think I've known you longer than I haven't. Yeah. In my life. At least 10 years. Longer than that, bro. It's been like 15. Yeah. So it's just, I, I think. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but through our friendship, like we've learned more about who each other like are. And so it's our friendship has deepened because of that. Like I know Tyler, I know more about Tyler, who he was, like how he grew up and different things. And those things made me appreciate him more and love him more. And the, the same happens in our relationship with God as we search scripture and we find more about who God is. We grow in our appreciation of who, who he is and we can love him on a deeper level. And so, you know, part of scripture reading is learning more about who God is so that we can love him on an even deeper level. Yeah. You just told everyone you love me. <laughs> the whole world knows now. And I love exactly. you. I love you too, bro. <laughs> Um, yeah, hundred percent. I think so. Next time we're going to talk about the law. Sounds super exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and how Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is pretty awesome. The law is good. Too dope to cope. That's what they said. That's what I've said, at least. Who knows? Who knows? God. You're right. You know who does know? God knows.